Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, we are sorry for the technical difficulties this morning. For whatever reason, the internet was just not working here at the church. So, so we're going to record this, and then we will post it. You know, obviously, you're watching it now. So uh, here's the great part. Now you can pause it. You can go use the restroom. You can uh, go get your communion supplies for later. We're still going to do everything uh, that we would normally do in the service. And so uh, just be aware of that. Um, for this, this time today. Hopefully by next week we'll have things up and running once again for all of us. Uh, it was a lot of fun last week. We, we've had more than 170 people now view last week's services. And so our prayer is that this message gets out to just that many uh, computer screens, TV screens, wherever else again once we get it uploaded. So if you could help us uh, let everyone know that this is up now and go ahead and send out word to folks so they can watch it. Uh, maybe you can watch it at the same time as some other people kind of get that community feel once again even though we're not technically live all at once. And so I hope everyone is hanging in there. I hope that uh, the time alone, I know for me personally, this is the first time I have gotten out of my house since Tuesday. Um, I've been outside playing and working and mowing the grass and things, but I've not been, I've not left my house since Tuesday. And uh, my prayer is this, that you have adjusted a little bit to this. And we keep hearing people say, we want life to get back to normal. Well, do we? Do we? Do we want all elements of what was normal back in our lives. Our lives have slowed down. The pace of life has, has taken a few steps backwards. And I want to challenge you moving forward as this life does resume whenever that happens to really consider priorities in life and what's important and what's not and evaluate the time you're getting to spend at home, the time you're getting to spend with the family, the money you're saving. I know I spent $9, $9 on gasoline last week. Our family usually spends $100 plus, $150 plus a week on gas. Consider what God might be doing, what he might be teaching you in this time. And I'm sure that's a theme we'll continue to talk about together in these times. But send your, send, post your feeds on, on Facebook, things that you're learning. God's teaching you in this time. Don't miss that moment. All right. But I have a question for you as we get started today. Have you, have you, I don't want to finish the sentence. In your time, away from normal life, if you will, for so many of us, have you? What have you done? What have you used that time for? Who have you connected with? Who have you engaged with? Have you spent that extra time with your kids? Have you completed that one project at home? My pegboard is finally up on the wall that I got in January in, in the garage. Have you mowed the yard yet? Have you... Talked with your neighbors. Have you made a phone call to a friend? Have you reached out to someone around you? Have you? I want to start a movement this week in our Facebook posts and things like that with our church and online, who, just in your life in general. Just ask your question each day. Have I, have you met with God each and every day? Have you spent time in God's word? Have you spent time in prayer? Have you prayed with your kids? Have you prayed with your spouse? Have you fill in that blank however God is leading you in moments like this? Have you taken a moment and done last week's lesson with your kids that was posted on our website? Have you looked at the link below us today 
and open that up in the Kids Kingdom stuff. There's some incredibly cool stuff for this next week. Not very many people. I think only two people posted videos from our Facebook challenge, our family challenge last week. We got to step up our game a little bit, church. We got to get on it. I know we're doing things with our kids. Let's have fun. This week's challenge that McKenna posted on, there's even more fun. It's a lip sync battle. So pick a great Disney song. Uh, yes, you can sing Frozen songs. That would be great. Can't wait to see Seth's video of him singing Frozen songs with Lila um, on, on the Facebook page. We got to get more people to participate in that. And then I, I think uh, the Howls actually have a, a special thing that we're going to start doing here soon. I'm not going to tell you about it. You got to have to see that online. Um, but maybe we'll talk about it next week. We'll see. We want to start the movement. We'll post the first video and then uh, let people follow suit. The lessons are excellent. They're right below this screen that you're watching it on, on our website. Um, click on that link, open it up, sit down with your kids and, uh, and have a great time teaching them from God's word. It's a wonderful thing to get to be a part of for sure. You'll also notice that right there beside that link is a Casting Crowns video. I wanted to play that. That would be the bumper video if we were here live and in person, um, but I can't do that online. And so I just posted the link for you to watch that video. It's a song called Nobody. It fits in perfectly, absolutely perfectly with the sermon series that we are doing right now. Hopefully uh, you will uh, watch that and, and listen to the lyrics and understand how God has a purpose for you in your life in this time that we're in right now. All right. So we don't have a lot of the details to discuss and things like that that we did last week. So let's just dive right in. Let's pray and then we'll go into God's word this morning. Father God, what a blessing it is to be with your people, even in this odd technological way. It's just so amazing that we can even do this. And even when things don't work out perfectly, Father, we know you have a reason for that. There's somebody that wasn't going to be able to see the live stream this morning that's going to randomly open the website and see that this new video has been posted this afternoon. And Father, you're going to speak to them through that. And I just pray that we can all share your word with others. That we can share these links with others and get as many people as possible involved until the moment that we can all gather back in your house on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to celebrate. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for son Jesus and what we're about to celebrate this time of year as Easter approaches rapidly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm sure many of you probably haven't thought about this recently, especially in the times that we're in right now. But nobody likes to speak in front of people, right? Everyone hates that fear of public speaking. It's just this grand fear that everyone seems to have. Well, right now would be the chance for you to try it out because you can speak in front of no one. I've got two people here today. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's nice and quiet in the room for sure. But you could record yourself, put it out there, and then maybe millions of people see it. Who knows how that works? But really, is, is, for me, it's a cool thing. It really is an amazing thing that I'm getting to do what I am getting to do. It's a dream that I really never knew I had until just a few short years ago and God began to reveal his plan for me. Little did I know that everything he was having me do, even in the world of youth ministry, was preparing me for this moment. Just a few short years ago as my good friend Chase and I were at camp and we were scrambling to get all the technology to work and trying to do this live stream thing at camp in the venue. Uh, you know what camp technology is like, right? Um, and we got it to work. Did I know that that experience, that knowledge, that, that, that stuff that God was teaching me would be something I'd be using in this moment, in this day of course not. It's a, it truly is a dream come true that, I, it's true that I get to share the word of God with you and others each and every single week, that we get to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that I get to open this book each and every week and teach its truths. It's an incredible thing to get to do. We get to talk about the son of Jesus. 
And then we get to meet throughout the week and communicate, talk about our lives, live in community to one another. We get to share lunches together whenever the restaurants open up once again. And I can't wait for that moment. I'm missing Pappy's right now. I don't know if you are, but, but I am for sure. Hopefully, I will all get to go and gather there once again. We get to do this life together. We get to encourage each other. We get to hold each other accountable. And most importantly, we get to love one another. What a blessing it is to be able to live life in that way. And what I'm here to tell you is this. If God can use me, truly a nobody from Putnam County, just a kid that went to DePaul University to be a teacher and a basketball coach, and he could take me and move me into a place where now every single day of my life I get the opportunity to share the love of Christ with others and help lead his bride, the church, that he can use anybody. So remember that as we go through this message. It is almost Easter. It doesn't seem like it, does it? We're not getting to celebrate that in the normal way. The chances of us being back in this building by Easter are slim at this point in time. God can work a miracle. Absolutely. We're praying for that to happen as soon as possible. But right now, it doesn't look very hopeful for that to happen. Every week, we get the chance to remind anyone who will listen of exactly who Jesus is and what he did for them. But there's something special about this time of year for me. I hope there is for you as well. There's something about the Easter season that makes this story come to life unlike any other time of year. And for me personally, I get emotional as I think about this story, as I think about the truths contained therein. And while I'm speaking to a group, the reality is the story is emotional because it's for me. This is the reason that Jesus came was, was for me. And when you make it personal, and it's not just about others coming to Christ, it's, it's literally about you and what God did for you, then it, it changes your perspective, I hope. As a follower of Jesus and, and, and studying what he did for me, I, I hope that you begin to understand why I get emotional when I talk about these things. And maybe, just maybe, God can speak to you through that as well. Could you imagine? Could you imagine another human being giving their life so that you could live. I, I really want you to think about that. Can you go there? Can you put yourself in that position? The only reason, the only way you're able to live at all is because someone else sacrificed their life in order for you to have that life. Could you imagine the debt of gratitude you would owe to that person every single breath you take the rest of your days. The reality that you're alive because someone else gave their life is often too much for people to even consider. But in truth, that's exactly what Jesus did for each and every one of us. But here's the most heartbreaking part of that truth. It's that some people will choose to reject that reality. They'll never accept the gift of life that Jesus has to offer them. They'll deny that it's even a real thing. The others will literally rebel against this life that God has provided for us. They'll completely reject it. If another person gave their life for you, could you live your life in denial of that reality? Because a lot of people do. And we need to share with them this truth. Beginning this week, we're gonna look at the perspective of the sacrifice that Jesus made from the eyes of the original people, how they would have viewed this person, Jesus, and what 
happened. The very first people to hear about the death of Jesus, the very first people to hear about the resurrection of Jesus, the Jews that lived during the time of Christ. Now, I mentioned last week at the end of the message the title of the series, Nobody Expected Nobody. And you can interpret that a number of different ways. In each of the three weeks, we're going to interpret it slightly differently. This first week is just all about the nobody part of thing, the absolute nobody. Merriam-Webster describes or defines a nobody as a person of little or no influence or consequence in this life. These are the people the world looks at and sees absolutely no hope for them. There's no real chance for success for these people. Now here's the reality. A lot of people get singled out sometimes when they are very young to be a nobody, a person of no influence and no consequence. Maybe because of their family situation, maybe because of their socioeconomic level, maybe because of some kind of disability that they might have. This world immediately marks them, marginalizes them, and tries to push them off to the side. Unfortunately, what so many times happens then is that reality becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for the individual. No one expects that you'll amount to anything. So there's no motivation to work hard, to try to prove those people wrong. You just succumb to other people's view of who they think you are and you begin to live life as if that were the truth. We probably all know people that have been influenced in that way and maybe even some of us have fallen victim to that. So can we just pause for just a moment right now, whoever's listening, wherever you are, and praise God that that is not how he feels about you. God created you on purpose for a purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your family, your past, your skills or perceived lack thereof do not limit you in any way, shape, or form in the eyes of God. Don't let other people determine those things for you. By His power, by His grace, by His blood, you can be set free from the curse of sin and death. You can be set free from the bonds of this world, including the bonds of low expectations, the burden of low expectations, the pain of ridicule, the pain of rejection. Even what seems like a curse from a bad family upbringing, you can overcome through the power of Jesus, through his love, through the word of God, through the church and through his people in the church. He wants to lead you to freedom starting today. Don't miss that moment. And if you still don't feel like you have any value in this world, I want to remind you of an essential truth. If you were the only human being ever created, you were worth dying for. Let that soak in for a minute. Because that's exactly what Jesus did to prove how much you're worth in the eyes of your creator. There are no nobodies in the kingdom. Of Christ. There are no nobodies in the eyes of God. So, as we look at God's view of the nobodies in the world, if you will, I want to turn to just a few of them in the Bible. Now, there's actually a lot of nobodies, as the world would classify them, listed in the Bible. So, there are many to choose from. It just seems that God rarely chooses the most powerful, the most influential, the most well spoken, the wealthiest individuals to do his work. After all, 
That's who the world looks to and listens to anyway. Strangely enough, whether it's celebrities, business owners, the rich and famous, they all seem to be able to lead people even though they often have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. Yet people follow them anyway just because of their status in society. Now, there's something that struck me as I wrote those words, and I began to wonder, is it true? Is it true? Or does God choose anyone who's willing, and it just seems to be that those individuals with the most worldly prestige rarely seem to accept God's invitation, while the nobodies, if you will, step forward and serve God as they are needed. Something to ponder for sure. The scriptures are filled with the stories of prophets and kings who were nobodies prior to an encounter with God. Prostitutes, tax collectors, fishermen who went on to change the world forever after an encounter with Jesus. The stories of nobodies in scriptures and what God accomplishes through them are extraordinary. We're going to briefly touch on just a few of them. One such nobody in the Old Testament was the youngest son of a man who had 12 or had 11 other sons at the time. He was the youngest, he was the favorite, and likely also probably the laziest as well. Now, his brothers didn't care all that much for him. Now, they loved him as you would any brother. But after all, how many times can you be told and reminded that your younger brother is so much better than you until you finally give up, get frustrated, throw him in a well in order for him to die, and then are convinced to show him just a little bit of mercy and sell him off to slave traders so he goes to Egypt? I mean, right? How long does it take before your little brother pushes you to that limit? Well, that's exactly what happened to Joseph. It seems like a great place to start, doesn't it, for the God of the universe to find the then Savior of much of the known world? God used this nobody to raise the highest levels of the Egyptian government, which allowed God to use him to save most of the known world, including his small family from Israel. That newly formed small group of people, that great nation that was beginning to develop in a very small way from Abraham, Isaac, and now the line of Jacob. His family was spared from famine by the annoying little brother who was humbled and then ultimately used as a Christ-like figure in the history of the Jewish people. Another famous one arose out of that dust just a few hundred years later. His name was Moses. He most certainly started as a nobody. He, after all, was a slave, a Hebrew slave, destined to be caught up in the murderous plot of Pharaoh as he sought to destroy all of the young male children of the Hebrews to control their population. But God spared Moses and his family that pain and grief by inspiring them with this plot, this plan to cast Moses into a basket, into the river, only to have Pharaoh's daughter be the one to rescue him and then raise him in the palace for him to learn the ways of Egypt, the language of Egypt, to become a very powerful, influential person within the household of Pharaoh. He became so Egyptian-like that his own people ultimately rejected him, Moses, and consequently eventually was forced to flee because of his actions, where he once again then became a nobody, a shepherd in the wilderness. Living as a shepherd, though, God called upon him to do the un, 
imaginable to deliver the Hebrew nations from the hands of the most powerful government, the most powerful nation in the history of the world to date. A task God had been preparing this nobody Moses for since the time of his birth. Now, some people might say, well, now Moses, that he's not a nobody. Well, I want you to listen to Moses' very own words. What did he do? How did he reply to this incredible request from God? Here's God's request. Then the Lord said, I have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt. I have heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their sufferings. And so I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians, to bring them out of Egypt to a spacious land, one which is rich and fertile in which the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. I have indeed heard the cry of my people, and I see how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now I am sending you, Moses, to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of his country. An incredible call from God to Moses, to which Moses got up and said, Yes, God, I feel it. I'm going to go. No, not at all. I'm going to read from two different translations. The first, the NIV. God, or Moses replies to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The Good News Translation translates it literally. I am nobody, God. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I guess that kind of sums it up for Moses, huh? When the rest, as we know it, is history. He went on to lead that mighty nation out of that land, Moses, a nobody. One of the most famous Bible characters in the entire Bible is that of David, who was the runt of the litter of Jesse. David was mocked. He was ridiculed by his family until that one day when God allowed the little kid to come and defeat the giant. The giant that everybody, all of Israel, all of Israel's armies were scared to death of, including his own brothers. He turned that nobody into the greatest king that Egypt or that Israel ever knew. Many of the prophets, of course, were absolutely nothing special. They were often not, not highly educated. They were rarely wealthy. Many and most were disliked and despised by the very people they were trying to reach. Yet Amos was a simple farmer. Why would anyone listen to him? Gideon, the great judge and prophet, was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat when God came to him and called him a mighty warrior. Gideon's reply, uh, pardon me, God, um, how can I do this? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Judges 6, 15, I'm a nobody, God are you sure that we can do this? There's women in the Bible that, that God may have, that, that, that God used. Now, these women may have been famous, but not for the right reasons in their time. Rahab, who was the great, great grandma of King David, she was the woman that famously hid the spies of Joshua in the walls of Jericho. Now, you might have always wondered, how did those spies, how did those men come into the city and go in there? Nobody even noticed. Well, you see, the city was used to Rahab inviting strange men into her quarters for the night. That wasn't an abnormal 
practice for her. She was known to everyone in town, but not for anything good at all. Yet here she is mentioned in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in that famous chapter of faith. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Another nobody. God can redeem anybody. Then her grandson married a Moabite woman. The Moabites were always in conflict with the people of Israel. Why would he have a heart for this woman? Well, it's the beautiful love story of Boaz and Ruth. Boaz, her redeem her. And through that relationship, God firmly established the kingdom and nation of Israel through Boaz and Ruth's great-grandson, King David. And ultimately, the bloodline of his son Jesus can be traced right back to these very same nobodies. These things just aren't supposed to happen, right? See, in our culture, achievement is still rewarded. If you work hard and do a good job, there is still a chance in our world that you will find success, even fame and notoriety. It is possible. But really often, it seems like the odds are kind of stacked against us, that only those who come from a certain background or have certain looks or connections can achieve in this world. But that is not God's plan. God's design is greater than the plan of this world. He can take anyone from any background who've made any mistake and through his spirit and power within them, he can change the world. He can change the path of any life. He can restore any marriage. He can overcome any crisis, any addiction, any circumstance that you and I can create, but only when we turn to him. One of the things I'm most grateful for in Scripture is the reality that even those superheroes of the faith, if you will, that they all had their flaws and they were all messed up. We see that God does and can and does use people that are broken, people who don't always get it right, people who fall short, but people who are trying to understand God's greater purpose in their life, trying to be faithful to him, striving after God's will for their life. Which leads us to the final nobody for today. It comes as we prepare for the arrival of our Savior. See, before Jesus can come, we're told that there has to be this great prophet arise. The the Hebrew nation has been preparing for this for a long time. This prophet will come and prepare the way for the Messiah Now, in order to understand this at all, you have to grasp how long it's been since God has spoken to the Israelites at this point in time. It's been 400 years since the time of the last prophet, that of Malachi, who brought the word of the Lord. They have been waiting. Some have faithfully continued to hold on to the promises of God from long ago. The Moses-like deliverer, the descendant of the line of David that would restore the kingdom of Israel forever. Since the time of Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament. Alexander the Great has come in. He has conquered the Hebrew nation. He set up the beginning of the Hellenistic rule over the Jews. Now, the Jews did overcome that for a moment. In the mid-second century, they overthrew that in the Maccabean Revolt. But that revolt was short-lived, and their time of freedom was short-lived as well because in the mid-first century, now the Romans come marching along, adding on to their empire, and they again overthrow the kingdom that once was 
Israel. The Hebrew nation is once again awaiting that mighty, powerful deliverer, and some clung to those promises of old, which were about to begin. They just didn't realize it. That new prophet, Isaiah, is the first to really begin talking about that new prophet in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. He says these words, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert the highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. Now the reality of his words, these words were spoken more than 700 years before the coming of Jesus, before John the Baptist. But they were still those that held on to them as hope for this coming king. And that final prophet Malachi, he echoed some of those same words, 300 years, so less time, but still 300 years before the time of Christ. He was recording those encouraging messages. Chapter three, verse one, he says, I will send a messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The problem is these prophecies were very vague and the people were looking, they were wondering Who is this prophet? How will we know when he's here? Who will he be? They wanted more specifics. Well, Malachi does reveal some more specifics in chapter four, beginning in verse five. He says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Ah, wait, we know that guy. We know Elijah. We know who he is. Elijah, incredible prophet, the second most powerful prophet in all of Jewish history. Elisha did more miracles, so that makes him slightly more powerful. But Elijah, the one who literally made the heavens open and rain come down. Elijah, the one who divided the food and gave it to multiple people. Elijah, the one who called down fire from heaven. Elijah, the one who defeated the prophets of Baal. Elijah, the one who raised a child from the dead. Now, if he's walking around, we're all going to know that that's Elijah, aren't we? Because Elijah, you see, he never died. So surely God could bring him back, right? God took him alive up into heaven in that chariot. So Elijah's who we're looking for, right, God? Not exactly, not exactly. You see, nobody expected a humble nobody like John the Baptist, a man wandering around in the wilderness just like Elijah had done. A man who wear camel skin and a leather strap just like the outfit Elijah made popular in 2 Kings 1.8. I'll wait. He was like Elijah. And he preached nearly the exact same message as the prophets of old. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But see, John wasn't flashy. John performed no signs or miracles. But for some reason, the people were still drawn to him. Even when, we, when, <laughs> when he was specifically asked, John, are you the Messiah? John, are you Elijah? John would humbly say no. 
No, I'm not. And in fact, he'd go on to say, as a matter of fact, I'm so not that there's somebody else right now in our midst who I am not even worthy to carry or tie his shoes. It was an incredible man. Ultimately, John completely bows out of the picture as he states it's time. It's time. Jesus now must become greater and I, John, must become less. John was just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who was now here. (laughs) Would the people recognize him? Do you recognize him in your own life? How do you view yourself? Knowing how your creator sees you, how do you view yourself in this life? Do we realize God's great plan for every single one of us? Now, I wanted to show you a music video prior to the message today. That link is on our website. If you haven't watched that, please watch that after the service concludes today. But I want you to consider, if you have never considered exactly what it is God thinks of you, because so many times believers, we begin to put ourselves down. We begin to dislike what God has created, and we forget God's bigger picture and who he is creating us to be. In the moment, we might not be worth a whole lot. We might be making a lot of wrong choices. We might be caught up in some terrible, sinful lifestyle. God can free you from that right now. If you need prayer, don't hesitate. Reach out to us via Facebook or email or at the phone at, the, at church. We figured out how to check the phone from home now so you can leave voicemails and we can get those. Let us be praying for you. Let the church be praying for you. Let us help you get through this time of great need. If there's a physical need you have right now, don't try to figure it out on your own. Reach out to your brothers and sisters from Christ for help. And most importantly, if you have never made a decision for Christ, we never know who might be watching this. And you think of yourself as just a nobody. This world has cast you aside. You have no purpose you feel in this world. Please hear otherwise this morning. God has you created you on purpose for a purpose. And today you can begin to realize that purpose if you're willing to come to Christ. Father God, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity we have to study your word. We thank you that you didn't use all the high and mighty and powerful people to influence because so many of us feel like we can never achieve that, but instead you picked these people out of everyday life and then you used them for your glory in magnificent ways. Father, you have that same plan for each and every one of us to pick us out of this everyday life, this everyday world, even our time spent alone at home right now, to pick us out of that environment and use us to change the world in which we live. Father, it might start in our very own home, changing the culture, the climate, the reality of our very own home and making it more spiritual, more God-centered. That can begin right now as we're forced to be at home. But then, Father, maybe we carry that vision, that mission to the workplace where we begin to change the culture of that workplace into a loving, caring culture and ultimately introduce the love of your son into that environment so that people are drawn to him. And then, Father, maybe across this county, across this state, across this country, and even across this world, you can use us to change the hearts and minds of others and point them in your direction. Father, we love you for that, and we thank you for the chance to study your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I had asked you earlier, hopefully, 
you did. If you can't, you can pause right now and go get those communion supplies. We view this as such an important part of connection with us and with Christ each and every week as we gather in this room. But at home today, we pray that you gather your family around. Feel free to pause this. Pray over your own family this morning, this afternoon, tomorrow, whenever it is that you watch this and share these emblems. Don't forget about what they're for. We're about to celebrate, if you will, the event that led to the creation of these emblems in our service, and that is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross as he took his, his body and it was broken for us. And Father, as you bled and you died, you reminded us prior to that 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 would happen. And when that happened, that then we were to take this emblem and the rest of our days here on this earth as we partake of this emblem to remember the reality of how much you care for us and how you proved it. You didn't just use words. You showed us as your blood was shed in order to cover our sins. As we close today, just a couple of reminders for everyone. We are so grateful for all of you that were able to give last week. We know this is a hard time for many people. We know people that have been laid off. We know entire families that are unemployed right now. Um, and, and we are so grateful for those of you that mail in contributions and even make some donations online. And we just want to remind you that there, God is faithful. We know that. He's going to provide for all of our needs um, in this time of transition. He's going to be in a, have us in a place that whenever the time comes for us to gather once again, uh, we will hit the ground running in order to serve him even in new ways within this community. And I cannot wait for that opportunity. But if you are able, if you're able during this time to give, and we understand if you can't, trust me, but keep in mind as, as we learned in the month of January that God will take any gift of any size. It does not matter what that is. And he will bless and he will honor that gift. So keep that in mind. We know he's going to provide everything that we need, but it's important for us to communicate how people can give. We have new people turning in, tuning in all of the time, and so just remind you of these things. The absolute easiest way is the top one on the screen. The texting um, is so simple. You just text any dollar amount to the number 84321, and when you do that, up pops a screen. It'll ask you to search for the church, but if you're in this area, it probably already found us. You just click on Berea Christian Church and Fill in the information. It is super, super simple. You can go to our website, and right at the top of our website is a Donate Now button. You click that and decide if you want to use your debit card or you want to do an e-deposit, if you will, an e-check to the church. Um, keep in mind, all three of those do have small fees that are charged by the companies processing those payments. We don't um, have anything to do with that or any control with that at all. And you absolutely can still um, send checks and things to the church, and we appreciate that. That works absolutely perfectly as well. The others are just more efficient in getting things in. Everything we keep track of still, it will also be kept track for tax purposes and donation purposes. That's all done online anyway. And so the folks that, that do that will still get all of your information. So don't you don't have anything to fear um, having to do with, with the, the way in which you give. We're just honored and grateful that you're able during these difficult times. Um, let's pray. Father, as we close this service and we consider the future that lies ahead, Father, I, I don't think a single one of us with our eyes closed and, and heads bowed right now can envision exactly what is about to happen. I, I don't think we know. I don't think anyone knows. How can we? But Father, we know 
that you are already there. You're waiting for us to get there. As you dwell with us in our midst right now, you at the same time are right there at the end of this odd, crazy time that we live in. And you want us to do nothing but be faithful in this interim, that you want us to learn and to grow and to learn to love each other, especially our families, the ones we're spending the most time with. You want us to learn to love them in a new way, Father, a way that might change our family tree, our family line, our family history forever from this point on. Maybe that's the lesson we're supposed to learn. Father, be with us in this time. Be with us till we can gather again next week, whether it's online or whatever means. Father, allow the technology to work if that is your will so that we can do this live. Father, we thank you for those that have joined us. We pray for them to return and to invite others to join us next time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We absolutely do miss you dearly. Um, I'm a people person, but this is what we're bound to for the moment. So we'll continue to meet online. We'll still shoot for 10 a.m., whether live or via recording. 10 a.m. next Sunday, we're still shooting for that. Watch for other things in the meantime. There may be some more live streams throughout the week, so just watch for that to happen. We'll post it. We'll, we'll push it out there to you, however we know. We never know what God might do in the meantime. I'll remind you again, if you need any assistance at all, do not hesitate to contact the church and let us know. And we will try to figure out a way, if there's a way at all that, that God can reach out to you through us, we will try to make that happen. So until we meet again, may God's grace and his peace comfort you. And may his love overwhelm you in such a way that it just flows out of you into your house, out of your house, to your neighbors, into the streets, into wherever you may go in these limited travel times. We love you. More importantly, Jesus does as well. Have a great week.